The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the CASA Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome members of our armed forces who are tuning in from remote locations over the Internet today, and also our nation's veterans. Thank you for your many emails and letters. I also want to welcome listeners who are joining us on new affiliate stations in New York, Ohio, New Hampshire, Idaho, Florida, Texas, and from coast to coast in all 50 states. Thank you for making us part of your Newsweek. In just a moment, the only candidate with a scientific background to enter the 2016 presidential contest, Dr. Ben Carson, will be joining the program to separate fact from fiction when it comes to Donald Trump's position on women, immigration, foreign policy, and the economy. As you know, Dr. Carson was one of the early candidates to offer his support to Trump. And while there's been wild speculation about Carson's role in a Trump cabinet on this program, we're committed to sticking to what is known and can be verified. So tune up your volume and get ready for some bare-boned facts. But before Dr. Carson joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Benjamin Solomon Carson was born and grew up in Detroit, Michigan. His parents divorced at an early age, and he was raised by a single mother who often worked two and three jobs to keep her young family going. The young Carson struggled with reading and also suffered from a volatile and dangerous temper, traits that are difficult to imagine when you interact with Dr. Carson today. Thankfully, Carson's mother took charge of her children's future and began a reading campaign in the Carson household. She required her children to write book reports for her and crack down on their schoolwork. And from here, the rest is history. Carson graduated from Yale University, worked as an x-ray technician, bank teller, school bus driver, crane operator, and supervised highway cleanup crews before finally being admitted to and receiving his medical degree from the University of Michigan and completing his residency at Johns Hopkins. As if that were not achievement enough, At Johns Hopkins, Carson rose to become the director of pediatric surgery and was the first to separate Siamese twins who were conjoined at the head. Dr. Carson has been named one of the top 20 physicians in the United States, one of 89 living legends by the Library of Congress, and is a recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And I would be remiss if I did not also mention that Dr. Carson and his wife oversee a foundation which has awarded over 7,000 scholarships to children who are serious about their education. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report a pioneer whose life story offers a blueprint for success, Dr. Ben Carson. Thank you for joining us again, Dr. Carson. And it's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks. I think maybe the best place to start our conversation today is on the topic of women voters. Now, the last time you and I spoke, you attributed your success in life to the role your mother and wife have played. And uh, when you were a candidate, actually, you had the highest approval rating amongst women voters of any candidate that was running, including Mrs. Clinton. Yet today, you're supporting a candidate who's not doing very well with women. So my question is this. What does Mr. Trump need to do to get on track with women voters? Well, you know, I believe, uh, first of all, he needs to, to emphasize 
the fact that throughout his business, there are many women in executive positions, and that was true long before it was fashionable to have them there. Uh, I think probably most people don't know that. Um, and certainly it would probably be helpful, um, you know, to resist the urge to sometimes say things <laughs> uh, about, uh, you know, a person's appearance, you know. Yes. That would probably be helpful. Yes. Well, as you point out, he was very progressive in promoting women in his own businesses at a time uh, previous to laws requiring that. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's not a small thing. I mean, he there, there wasn't anything for him to gain. He actually recognized the talent in these women. And he recognized it was going to be to his gain to have these very smart uh, and effective managers in uh, positions where their talent would be manifested. Why is it that his campaign is not making a bigger deal of that? Uh, I think they will uh, over mm-hmm. the course of time. It's, you know, what is the issue of today? And uh, that one will come along with time. And I, I think also when you look at the rallies with these huge numbers of people, it looks like a, about half of them are women. Uh, so there are a lot of women who actually recognize that the issues that really threaten their children and their grandchildren are not what Donald Trump thinks of women. The real issues are what are we going to do with our financial foundation? Are we going to continue to accumulate debt and destroy the future? Are we going to continue to have a weak military that encourages our enemies to challenge us and to create danger throughout the world? You know, these these are the kind of issues that I think both men and women are concerned about, and they're probably not going to allow themselves to be manipulated into thinking the biggest issue is this, that, or the other. Well, I happen to agree with you. Uh, women don't vote as some uh, unified monolithic block, and yet the pollsters constantly treat them as some monolithic voting block. Uh, but many of the issues that women are concerned with are shared by both men and women. Are there any specific issues that you think that women see differently than their male counterparts? Um, I... Obviously, um, would believe that that women may look at the abortion issue a little bit differently uh, than men do. A lot of women do, but recognize also that there are uh, an increasing number of women and a very large number of women who are extremely pro-life and who recognize that the relationship between that baby that's still in the womb and the mother is one of the most sacred human relationships there is. And that that baby is not her enemy. In fact, she is that baby's protector. We have allowed others to come in and create the conflict between the baby and the mother and to make the mother believe that that baby is her enemy or that she has the right to destroy that baby. I mean, it is so twisted what has happened in our society. It's just one of the manifestations of the things that are going on. And I think both women and men recognize that we are going off the deep end in a lot of different areas. You know, you, you, you look at this transgender thing. For thousands of years, people have known what a man is and what a woman is. All of a sudden, we don't know. Give me a break. But this is really interesting to talk to you, knowing your medical background. Certainly when a a patient came to you and had an illness, you would respect their right to choose the course of treatment that they want, even if that uh, went against what you believed would be the best course of treatment. Uh, As a physician, you can only make recommendations. Uh, On the other hand, wouldn't you say that 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 should be an individual decision for a woman relative to abortion or or even relative to, you know, what they're what they believe that is the sex that they should have been born as? Well, let me take you back a few hundred years in this country when there was something going on called slavery. 
and uh, the slave mm-hmm. masters. Do- Dr. Carson, unfortunately, we, we've got to take a hard break here. So what I'd like to do is I, I'd like to ask you to pick that up on the other side of our messages. I hate these hard breaks, but we, you know, but our sponsors insist on them. And uh, so we accommodate them when we can. But I'd like to pick this up on the other side, if that's OK right. with you. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and take our break, and we'll be right back with more from Dr. Ben Carson. You're listening to the Costa Report. Caraccioli Cellars recently celebrated the fifth anniversary of their tasting room. This is what Enophiles had to say. Anna Russell, I love Caraccioli wine because I love the San Lucia Highlands and I think this is a particularly great representation of what SLH can do that's different. Um, using the most common grapes, Pinot and, and Chardonnay and making something really beautiful and different in the area. I love the wine so I always come back to almost every one of their events. My name is Jenny Franklin. I like it because it's very flavorful. It just is a good Pinot. Goes down without touching any sides. Very good. Full of lace. I really like the Brut Rosé. I like the older varietals too. I think it's just the way they manufacture it, the way that it uh, they produce it is old world style and I enjoy that. Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel-by-the-Sea or find us online at caracciolicellars.com or reach us by phone at 831-622-7722. If you're wondering what to do with all that data you're creating, do I have an offer for you? Tableau is drag-and-drop software that people of any skill level can use to analyze and turn data into something actionable. That's right. I said actionable. And isn't that what all that data is for? With Tableau, you can connect to any data in virtually any format and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, even big data sources are instantly combined into usable charts, graphs, reports, and dashboards. People can analyze data and -and drag-and-drop at 10 times the speed of a traditional business intelligence system. But the most important impressive thing about Tableau is that anyone can use it. And just to prove the point, you can get a free 14-day trial from Tableau just by mentioning you heard this ad. But do it now, because this offer won't last. For your free 14-day trial, visit Tableau at T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash Costa. That's Tableau.com slash Costa. Tableau Software. What's your data trying to tell you? Not available in all states. Whoa, what do you have there? It's a Reese and Irvy's frozen yogurt. We just had our robot make one. A robot made your frozen yogurt? Yes, from Reese and Irvy's, the world's first fully interactive robot vending machine that serves nine flavors of delicious yogurt with six amazing toppings. And it's available for an exclusive franchise opportunity. Wait, you mean I can own my own frozen yogurt robots? And make money at the same time. These robots are the future of frozen yogurt franchising. They can be placed almost anywhere and operate 24-7. Malls, theme parks, grocery stores, you name it. A robot that serves frozen yogurt. That's revolutionary. Exactly. Reese and Irvy's Froyo robots are taking the market by a storm. No more messy yogurt bars, long lines, or do-it-yourself machines. Just delicious frozen yogurt in 60 seconds or less. Anytime, anywhere. How do I get my own Reese and Irvy's robots? It's easy, but you better act now. Locations and machines are going fast. Just go to FroyoFranchising.com. That's FroyoFranchising.com. Check it out now. FroyoFranchising.com. Have you noticed that food just doesn't taste good anymore? Why is that? If you eat food, you'll want to know this. Our fruits, grains, and vegetables contain less and less nutrition every year. Chances are even your organic plants don't have anywhere near the 70-plus minerals that make a plant healthy and delicious. Listen up, home gardeners, farmers, growers, and lovers of good food. This is Andy Anderson telling you that you can go beyond organic. Perk up your plants and revitalize your fields with blooming minerals from Longevity. This marvelous soil conditioner will re mineralize your soil with up to 76 organically bound earth elements. That means healthier and better looking crops that resist bugs, mold, cold, and other nasties that can wipe you out. Commercial farmers are reporting faster growth, more yield, and higher brick scores. That means better tasting food for you and me. Get Bloomin' Minerals in powder and liquid form from a spray bottle for houseplants to 55-gallon drums for professional growers. Call us now to order toll-free, 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Dr. Ben Carson. And before we had to take our break, I had asked you whether an individual has the same right to choose a course of treatment as they would to have an abortion or to change their sexual orientation physically or otherwise, and you were beginning to answer. Yes, I said uh, if we go back a few hundred years when the slavery was alive and well in America, Slave owners actually believed that that individual belonged to them and that they could do anything they wanted to that individual. And uh, what if the abolitionist had said, we don't agree with you. We think slavery is evil, but you do what you want and I'll do what I want. Where would we be today? So there are some things that are actually moral issues, and even our court system recognizes that. You will recall that there have been a number of murder cases where someone has killed a pregnant woman, and they've been charged with two counts of murder, not with one count of murder. So even the court recognizes that as an individual. And, you know, some months ago, my my wife was in a banquet and a beautiful, statuesque young woman walked up to her and said, are you Mrs. Carson? She said, your husband operated on me when I was still in my mother's womb. And here she is, this beautiful, articulate young woman. Things like that make me convinced that that is not a meaningless bunch of cells in that uterus. Well, this is a very deep discussion and uh, one that uh, we would have for several hours, days and weeks, Dr. Carson, because it comes down to whether government has to act for the greater good or protect individual rights. And I think that everybody weighs in differently on, on that because it's a, it's a broad spectrum. Uh, it, it may be a broad spectrum, uh, but the fact of the matter is until someone can prove that that individual in that uterus is not a human being, until that time, we should respect them, and we should respect their rights, mm-hmm. as right. outlined by the 14th Amendment. Right, and that is a place that you and Mr. Trump are in full alignment uh, in terms of issues. Now, as a surgeon, you are extremely methodical and careful, and you're not going to endorse a candidate unless you've fully vetted their position on the issues. So for our listeners today, let's let's run through some of those issues on which you agree and disagree with uh, candidate Trump. And uh, one of them that you are in full alignment with is on the abortion issue, that life is sacred at conception and, uh, and that uh, abortion should be ruled on by the government uh, for the greater good and you draw the equivalency of slavery on the other hand um, let's look at something like gun control on the one hand we have experts that say fewer guns and less opportunity for violence and on the other hand we have an equal number of experts who say more guns and less opportunity for violence Uh, I take it from mr. Trump's comments he's in favor of no further restrictions on gun ownership so long as there's strong background checks is that right um, that would encompass one of one of his views. You know, basically, he wants to make sure that we preserve the Second Amendment, uh, which I do, and understand why is the Second Amendment there. There are two key reasons. Number one, our founders wanted our citizens to have the ability to join with our military to repel uh, an outside attack, but more importantly. They wanted our citizens to have the ability to protect themselves from a tyrannical government, knowing history that this does occur and occurs in societies historically around the world and could occur here. Therefore, to prevent that from being the case, they wanted to make sure that our citizens could always protect themselves against an overly exuberant government. Yes, but the gun technology was considerably different then. We were talking muskets. It was, but uh, but guess who had muskets? <laughs> the government and the citizens. 
<laughs> that's that's a good point. That's a good point. But it was a little more evenly uh, matched at that point. Um, you know, we they didn't have rocket launchers and some of the technology the military has today. But you know, well, what, getting down to some facts, though, be logical. Yeah. That, that's my point. We should be logical about the way that we do this. Obviously, we don't want guns every place with everybody having access to them, particularly people who are mentally ill and, and people who are unstable and violent criminals. But we need to look at ways that we can control the guns amongst that group of people while not interfering with the rights of the average American citizen. And that's, that always has to be the two prongs which we look at. But let's look at the other side where there are some facts in countries such as Japan and Singapore, where there are very few guns. There's also very little violence in comparison, and that's pretty hard to dispute. Do you think that that's just a correlation related to their culture and how intrusive their government and their laws are in general, rather than a one-to-one causation between the number of guns and violence? Well, look at Switzerland. They have an extraordinarily large number of guns. Um, yes. And yet, very little in the way of violence. So I think it speaks more of the culture and of the person using the gun than it does the fact that the guns exist. We try to put it all off on the guns. That's not the problem. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because you and I both have a scientific background, and so we're used to the idea of the media jumping to false correlations. And this is a typical case where the number of guns that gets associated with violence and culture and other and laws and other kinds of things get completely eliminated out of the argument. Absolutely. And you can take, you know, responsible individuals, and you can put a gun everywhere, everywhere they turn there's a gun, and there won't be any gun violence. You can take somebody who is irresponsible, and you can hide the gun, and they'll still find a way to, to hurt you. Mm-hmm. So, so, is, is, uh, so you're in alignment. So you're not only in alignment with Mr. Trump in terms of abortion, you're also in alignment in, in terms of the, the Second Amendment and whether any additional restrictions on gun control should, uh, should be effected, aside from perhaps stronger background checks. Yeah, if, if, if there are any restrictions imposed, they need to be on violent criminals and mentally ill people, and they cannot affect the rights of the average citizen as far as the Second Amendment is concerned. Okay, and in the one minute that we have before we have to take one of those very unfortunate breaks, (laughs) uh, let me ask you about Common Core. Mr. Trump has said he wants to eliminate Common Core. Are you in agreement with that? My slogan is Common Core out the door. Uh, does, that, does, does that mean I'm not concerned about education? No. You know, a lot of my life has been centered around education and educational programs. But there's no way in the Constitution that says that is the, the federal government's responsibility. And we'll talk about that more at the other side of the break. Very good. Thank you so much, Dr. Carson. We're going to take that commercial break. Stay where you are. We're going to talk about other issues in which Mr. Carson and Trump agree. You're listening to the Costa Report. We will never fully understand what we've asked of our military service members, of their families, or their children, asking them to deploy, patrol, stay on watch, on point, asking them to put themselves in harm's way, to endure it all. But we do understand that it's our turn, our duty, to bring them all the way home, to keep them secure to have their backs for the rest of their lives. Wounded Warrior Project long-term support programs do whatever it takes to help our most severely ill or injured veterans live independently at no cost for life so that they might stand at ease. Find out how you can help at findwwp.org. 
for the San Jose City Council meeting. Let's come to order. Clerk, roll call, please. Mayor Sam Licardo. Here. Councilwoman Madison Wynn. Here. Councilman Ash Calra. Councilman Ash Calra, are you here? Councilman Ash Calra is absent. Well, of course Councilman Ash Calra is absent. Official city records show that he was marked absent in nearly 20% of the city council meetings. When he did manage to show up, Ash Calra voted to raise fees for city services, and he opposed the plan to save ratepayers millions of dollars. He even opposed tax cuts in San Jose. Now he wants your vote for state assembly. But things seem to work a lot better when Ash Calra is not making decisions. For state assembly, vote no on Ash Calra. San Jose deserves someone who will work harder and work better. Proudly paid for by the California Real Estate Independent Expenditure Committee, California Association of Realtors. This advertisement was not authorized or paid for by a candidate for this office or a committee controlled by a candidate for this office. Care from the Heart is a dedicated and professional home health care agency that's been serving families in the Tri-County Monterey Bay area for over 18 years. We help our clients and their families handle health challenges with determination, love, and humor. When you work with Care from the Heart, we provide assistance with the utmost respect. Your team will consist of nurses, case managers, and home care specialists who will listen and you will design a flexible program to fit your specific needs, either short-term or long-term. You might need help with medication, personal hygiene, meal preparation, transportation, companionship, household chores, or pet care. We can even help you with the dreaded insurance paperwork. If the time has come when you must step into the role of caregiver for a family member, naturally you'll have questions and concerns. Care from the Heart offers classes that provide specific information and skills you'll need to become the positive and supportive influence your family member deserves. And we protect against caregiver burnout by offering periodic respite care for you. Whatever your individual situation, now or in the future, help is available. For a complimentary consultation, call us at 831-476-8316. We can come to you or you are welcome to visit our office in Santa Cruz near Dominican Hospital. Our website is carefromtheheart.net. Hi, this is Greg. Marlene and I host Flavors on KSCO 1080, Sundays, noon to 2. Ella from Ella's at the Airport is going to be visiting. Mmm, good stuff. And you're not going to want to miss, we have a mixologist. And Philip Preston from PolyScience. We're going to be talking about the control freak. What is it? you got to find out. Stay tuned on Sundays, noon to 2, KSCO. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, our guest today is Dr. Ben Carson. And before the break, we were talking about the fact that both you and Mr. Trump agree that Common Core should be eliminated. So what would you replace that with? Well, recognize that we've had local school systems from very early days. In the Massachusetts Bay Colony, they would impose penalties on communities that did not have adequate public education available for their students. So, you know, local communities are obviously concerned about educating their people. I think we need to make school choice available because one of the problems is we have a large number of people who are uh, in failing school systems largely because of, you know, the geography of where they've been born. And, uh, you know, we have systems in place that keep them there. Uh, we need to relook at that and provide mechanisms for people to be able to move. One of the things you've probably noticed in the news sometimes is when new charter schools open. Yes. Long, long lines of people trying to get their kid in there because they want their kid educated and they know that the system is failing them. Look at the fact that our voluntary military between the ages of 17 and 24, 71% of the people who volunteer are rejected. For mental, physical, or educational reasons, the largest portion being educational reasons, unable to pass a simple uh, screening test of basic math and communication skills. That means our system is failing our people. 
Yes, yes. Uh, The statistics are daunting when you look at the number of people who fail the basic entrance uh, exam for the U.S. military. Uh, it's uh, it's very shameful. And they come out of the public education system. And as you point out, uh, currently, depending on where you live, that's how you're assigned the school that you, your children go to. All right. And uh, we, we need to abolish that. And, you know, if, if we create competition among schools and school systems, believe me, they're going to respond. They're going to respond or they're going to disappear. Uh, either case is okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There'll be long lines uh, of parents trying to register their children in schools that have the best teachers and the best performance records and no lines where the schools are failing. And those will die from what I would call just the principles of natural selection. They'll become extinct. Exactly. (laughs) That's right. Now, we've been hitting some of the big issues that will play a role in the national election. So let's continue and move on to the topic of the deficit. Uh, There are two ways to deal with a deficit. Uh, Almost every economist agrees that we're going to have to do both to get out of the hole that we've dug. We cut spending and grow the economy so tax revenues increase and that debt can be paid off. Mr. Trump has been clear about how he'd grow the economy by bringing outsourced jobs back into the country. And uh, and get involved in tax reform to favor more small businesses and startups. But he stayed pretty clear of the one thing that all politicians seem to be walking around, and that's cutting entitlement programs that are currently protected by law. So where does where does Mr. Trump stand on cutting Social Security, Medicare, and so on? Well, he feels that that's not the first thing that you do when you're in a situation like ours. All that's going to do is cause panic and hatred. So what you do first is you fix the economy so that you give people options. And if people have jobs and they have various ways of sustaining themselves, you're not going to see the big crush of, uh, of dependency that makes these entitlement programs so attractive. And then after you have done that, that's when you address the entitlements. And that's the logical way to do it. And, and that's exactly the way that, that he looks at it. And it makes perfectly good sense if you really stop and think about it. Yeah, it, it does. One of the greatest turnaround experts in the world, Brenneman, uh, he has a quote that I love. He says, you cannot cut your way to prosperity. No, I, lo- I love can't. that saying. You, you can't. You can't keep cutting the budget and think that that's the same as becoming a prosperous nation. Well, also recognize that between 1850 and 2000, we grew at an average rate of 3.3%. Uh, since 2001, we've grown around half of that much. Well, with, with that kind of anemic growth, how can you ever expect to dig your way out? And yet we're not cutting spending in a commensurate way. So obviously that's why we now have a 20, you know, going on $20 trillion national debt with no end in sight until we begin to understand that that will undermine our financial foundation and destroy the future for our children, we're going to keep doing it. But you would agree the fastest road to recovery is to do both. Right. Fix the tax structure, which is abominable, and get rid of the incessant regulations, you know, 81,000 pages last year. You, you look at small manufacturers, the average cost for a small manufacturer to comply with all the regulations is $34,000 per employee. Now, how in the world are you able to compete with others? You're not. And those jobs leave our shores and they go elsewhere. You know, these are simple economic principles. I, sometimes I even wonder if some of our, our leaders know this and intentionally do it in order to keep people dependent on them. Well, I don't even know if they ever took a class on economics. And if they did, I'm not sure they got a good grade. <laughs> I mean, the current tax code. Executing. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, let's let's face it. The current tax code is over 75,000 pages. It, it's a complicated, hot mess. Uh, would Donald Trump or, or would you favor a flat or fair tax going to something yeah. simple where the general electrics of the world actually will have to pay taxes and can't hire, you know, buildings of accountants to legally avoid taxes? It, it, if it were fair, because it hasn't been fair for such a long time, 
a lot of people have a distorted impression of the system, and therefore they say, you know, the rich are not paying their fair share. We need to make them pay more and everything will be okay. That's because they don't even know what fairness looks like. They've never seen it in their lifetime. And, and, and of course, when I was running, I, you know, I, I said this, and a lot of people were critical. I said, you know, God is very fair, and he wants a tithe from everybody. He didn't say, if you have a bumper crop, give me triple tithe. He didn't say, if your crops fail, don't give me anything. So there must be something inherently fair about proportionality. You make $10 billion a year, you pay a billion. You make $10 a year, you pay one. And you get the same rights and privileges. If you do a system like that and you take out all the loopholes and, and all the, the, the things that convolute the system, it will be fair. It will be proportional. And uh, I think we will have plenty of income, and we will have incentives for people to do things. You know, this country went from nowhere to the pinnacle of the world in record time because we created an environment that, in, that induced entrepreneurial risk-taking and capital investment, and those are the fuels for the most powerful economic engine the world has ever known. That engine still exists. We just have to allow it to work again. Yes, I I agree with you that that engine still exists, but I will tell you that it's a tired engine. Uh, As you know, people are working two and three jobs to try to just maintain. I think there was a latest survey that uh, something like 65% or 70% of Americans couldn't come up with $1,000 if they had an emergency. Right. That's a frightening statistic. Yeah, we've driven our businesses away. You know, uh, that, that the Secretary of the Treasury a couple of years ago criticized American companies who were going abroad as trying to avoid paying higher taxes and said they were unpatriotic shows how little understanding there is in the administration. People don't go into business to support the government. They go into business to make money. Yes. And a smart government recognizes that if... They put in place policies that allow them to make a lot of money. The government will get more money, too. They don't seem to be able to make that connection. That's absolutely right. Uh, The government gets rich as we get rich, and that's the way you pay out the debt. Uh, But certainly at some point, we have to look at cuts as well. Now, we have to take our last break, but stay right where you are. We'll be back after these important messages from our sponsors. You're listening to The Costa Report. Every day our world gets more complicated. Not only is new information coming at us faster than we can manage, new regulations, technology, and the effects of globalization have made it much more difficult to succeed. That's why I wrote The Watchman's Rattle, a book that, for the first time, explains how complexity makes it hard to separate facts from fiction and eventually causes us to make important decisions based on unproven beliefs. And not just us, our leaders also fall prey to this phenomena. But here's the good news. Once you know the symptoms to watch for, you can safeguard against them. So please, go to RebeccaCosta.com. That's RebeccaCosta.com. And order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. It only takes a few minutes and the shipping is free. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. Big data is being generated by everything around us all the time. Every digital process and social media exchange produce it. Systems, sensors, and mobile devices transmit it. Big data is arriving from multiple sources with ever-increasing velocity, volume, and variety. It's becoming the world's newest resource for competitive advantage, allowing decision-making to move from the elite few to the empowered many. The escalating demand for insights requires a fundamentally new approach to architecture, tools, and practices. To extract meaningful value from big data, you need optimal processing power, analytics capabilities, and skills. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com bigdata today. 
That's www.ibm.com slash big data. The sun is high in the sky, which means it's time to get your RV and trailers ready to roll. Hi, I'm Rena Mills, owner of RV Service Center of Santa Cruz, your locally owned RV parts and repair center with over 38 years of service to the Central Coast community. In addition to RV repairs, our qualified staff services and maintains boat, horse, and utility trailers, in addition to toy haulers. We also restore vintage RVs and work hand-in-hand with all insurance companies to ensure that your RV is restored to its original condition. RV owners, RV Service Center of Santa Cruz will now match your insurance deductible with a credit voucher for future parts and service. It's like you pay nothing for your insurance repair. Get your RV and trailers ready to roll with the help of your friends at RV Service Center. You'll find us easy to reach and easy to use at 2525 Mission Street, Cross Streets, Mission and Swift Streets in Santa Cruz. Call us at 831-427-0881 or rvscsc.com. Coast Paper and Supply, a proud member of Think Local First, is positively impacting our environment. They're providing green businesses with eco-friendly cleaners, food service products, and other biodegradable items. Coast Paper and Supply is located at 151 Josephine Street in Santa Cruz and is open weekdays 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. You can give them a call at 831-423-3350. That's 831-423-3350. Or visit coastpapersupplyinc.com. The Cannabis Connection is the educational outlet for all to engage with policy, science, culture, and local developments in order to orient the community in the rapidly evolving cannabis renaissance. Our goal is to open a dialogue surrounding the potential that this plant provides to heal people's ailments, but also heal our society from a social and economic standpoint. Tune in to The Cannabis Connection, Friday nights, 8 to 9 p.m. on KSCO AM 1080. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and our guest today is Dr. Ben Carson. Now, we've been talking about some of the key issues, such as education, gun rights, abortion, tax reform, and other lightning rods that are going to be front and center in the national election. But, of course, the issue which Trump has shed the biggest spotlight on is immigration and the need to protect America's borders. Are you in favor Dr. Carson, of a temporary ban on Muslims entering the country, or do you believe the temporary ban should be applied across the board to everyone until uh, the U.S. has a solid and fair immigration policy in place? Yeah, as I've said before, uh, you know, I wouldn't specify a particular religion. Uh, Recognize that many of the people who are involved in the attacks in Belgium and Paris were people who carried uh, passports from European countries. So, uh, you know, we have to be uh, more circumspect in the way that we do this. We need to be looking at everybody who's coming in here, and we need to have a much tighter security system. And I I believe we could probably learn uh, from some of the other countries around the world who have faced these kinds of problems, Israel being right at the forefront, Look at some of the things that they do in terms of their screening procedures. They're not nearly as politically correct as we are, uh, but uh, tend to be a little bit more effective. And, you know, there's things that we must learn for our own sake. Also, you know, I, I, I go back to uh, Teddy Roosevelt. I think he, he was very sage in, in his counsel. He said, anybody is welcome to come to our country. We're a land of immigrants. It doesn't matter what your race, religion, uh, or national origin is. But that's only if you want to be an American. If you want to accept our way of life, you want to accept our Constitution. If you want another system, stay where you are. And we really, I believe, should abide by that. And, uh, you know, there, there are people who criticize Donald Trump severely uh, for, for what he said about uh, restricting Muslims from coming in. But uh, there, there was a, an act actually back in uh, 1952, uh, the McCarran-Walter uh, Act, uh, that uh, gave the president the ability to restrict entry into America 
of such aliens that might be detrimental to U.S. interests. And it has been used. For instance, in 1974, Jimmy Carter uh, used that act uh, not only to restrict Iranians from coming to the country, but to deport thousands of them who are already here. Mm-hmm. So you'll never hear that from the left-wing media, by the way. Well, I don't think you hear it from anybody because it's distasteful. <laughs> it's distasteful to single out any particular group because anytime you do that, you have uh, Iranian, uh, you know, American born Iranians, right, who live and work and, and have assimilated into U.S. culture who feel under attack. That's not the point. The point is that there already exists an American law. Yes. A statute which allows for anybody from any place who is considered to be a threat to us not to be admitted. So yes, but back to your earlier point. Yeah, er, to your earlier point on slavery, there were laws that made slavery legal too. That didn't make them right. I, you know, I, I, uh, I personally believe there's a higher law than the law of the United States. You know, and we have to always be striving to make the 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 human laws uh, abide with moral laws. Uh, but you know, just because there's a legal law, I don't I don't know that it makes it right. But that's why God gave us the brain. <laughs> we can actually think. We can where has this person been? You oh, know, Mr. Oh, Dr. Carson. <laughs> Dr. Carson, you know as well as I do, and much better than I do, that just because we have a brain doesn't mean we're all using it. Uh, that's, for sure. <laughs> that, that's the unfortunate reality of uh, being a human. Uh, you know, we have the higher instruments of our genetic inheritance, right, which is our ability to preview the consequences of our actions and to think rationally and, and not rea- and be reactive, uh, which separates us from the lower animals. But we also have the lower instruments of our genetic inheritance, and we, we seem as a society to be catering to those lower instruments that uh, lower animals have. <laughs> but, but bear in mind, we must be very careful that we don't allow political correctness to destroy us. Because, uh, as you may or may not know, during the Holy Land Foundation trial in Texas in 2006 and 2007, there was a memorandum, explanatory memorandum, that was uncovered uh, by the FBI uh, that talked about the goals of the radical Islamists here in the United States, how they Mm -hmm. were going to commit civilization jihad. And they said it would be easier than you think because of the Americans and their political correctness, and that they would be sitting there trying to protect our rights while we destroy and undermine them. And we're doing that. We're do- we are protecting the rights of individuals because we don't want to. Uh, we don't want to damage the rights of the innocent. You know, right. and that's well, always a struggle. Have- that's a struggle in every society. Well, we we have to we have to keep all these factors on the front burner and use our collective intellect without, you know, doing you know irrational things. And now, speaking not- of irrational <laughs> things, yeah, speaking of irrational things, I only have another minute here. I have to ask you: Is there any way you can get Donald Trump to stop tweeting? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you're a guy who overcame this this impulse to act violently and not to have self-control. You know, if anybody could talk to him, it ought to be you because, you know, you had a quick tri- trigger temper. Uh, but he seems to be so reflexive and uh, not, you know, if he just put a little pause between his fingers tweeting and his thought process, I think things would go better. Well, you know, what's going to be interesting is as as we go along and the gravity of the responsibility begins to settle in, you really have less time for tweeting. <laughs> Thank goodness. So much more time, <laughs> you know, dealing with the real issues. They got to Somebody's got to. You got to hire a hacker to go in there and kill his tweeter, his Twitter account. 
You know, it's not, I know that it's helped him to this point in getting social media coverage, but uh, maybe that's something he ought to subcontract. I don't know. It's just a, just a thought. You know, he, he gets so, he's so fast to make a judgment call on, uh, for example, this Egyptian airline. Uh, you know, he, he, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible how quickly he'll jump to a conclusion. And, you know, unfortunately, it's feeding into Hillary Clinton's claim that he's dangerous. Uh, you know, I, when, every time he makes one of these claims, he's just uh, feeding the, the lion there. So, uh, you know, hopefully you're right. He'll get busy and he will not have any more time to tweet. Donald Trump, if you're listening, please, no more <laughs> tweeting. <laughs> well, that's all the time that we've got left today. But before we say goodbye, I do want to thank you for your service to our country. And I hope that we'll have a chance to speak to you again soon. Thank you, Dr. Carson. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Take care, Becca. If your station is leaving us after this hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Ben Carson, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are all over the Internet, and we love to hear from you. And if you missed the full interview with Ben Carson or any of our other guests, you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and our YouTube channel. And while you're at our website... Take a moment to check out The Watchman's Rattle. It's the only book that explains how the growing gap between how slowly our brains evolve and how fast new data, technologies, and procedures are coming at us makes societies vulnerable to propaganda and irrational policy and behavior. This is a book that you're going to find hard to put down once you start. It's the only book that compares what's happening today to a similar pattern which brought down the Egyptian Rome and Ming and Khmer empires. So go to RebeccaCosta.com. Easy to remember. It's my name.com. And get your copy of The Watchman's Rattle today. You have my guarantee that you will look at events that are unfolding in the news in an entirely new light. And what's more, it's going to affect how you see the current election, the candidates, the issues, and maybe even how you cast your vote in November. And that is it for our first hour of programming. Thank you again for joining me. Now stay tuned for another hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.